Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are and you hold them accountable. That's the Mark K Show. The first hour of the Mark K Show starts now. Hey, Mark, let's talk politics today. No more coronavirus, please. I mean, they're kind of both the same thing because everything about the coronavirus has turned political and everything about politics has to deal with the coronavirus. But, I mean, look, we'll try. Here's the deal with today. Today is whatever you want Wednesday. So whatever you want to talk about, we will talk about today. If you want to talk about uh, the president's uh, task force meeting from yesterday, if you want to talk about the Wisconsin election, if you want to talk about the coronavirus, if you want to talk about the stimulus check that maybe you haven't gotten yet, uh, um, you know, what, whatever it is that's on your mind today, we hand the show over to you. Look, four days a week is enough of, of uh, you know, a burden on us to come up with content. So we figure, hey, if you're going to be here, if you're going to be hanging out, if we're going to be paying for your phone calls, uh, we might as well. We might as well let you come up with some of the topics. 855-765-1045. And the good news is we should have a full two hour program today. We don't have any press conferences scheduled um, until one o'clock today when Governor Ron DeSantis, I believe, is going to be speaking. Is that right? Governor Ron DeSantis so, at yeah. one o'clock. That sounds so right. That, that's, so that's Russia's show. So that's Russia's problem today. We are uh, we are supposedly free and clear until, of course, uh, unless, of course, Mayor Curry um, decides that he wants to interrupt our program yet again, which hopefully he won't. If you want to talk about Mayor Curry, if you want to talk about what's going on here in Jacksonville, if you want to talk about um, the curve, you know, being flattened or how much longer you think this is going to happen or will you be able to go to church on Easter? Eight, five, five, seven, six, five. 1045 is if you want to talk about, you know, uh, we had we had an we had a very interesting um, open mic message about somebody who was complaining about somebody else's kids, which is always a great topic. All these parents complaining about having to stay home and do something with their kids. Dear God, you gave birth to them. Raise them. Yeah. Now, you know, if you've got to teach them, you know, do that, too. So they're like and it really it's it's wide open. If you want to talk about pandas in China finally mating after 10 years because nobody's staring at them. We I don't know if you heard this story. There's a story from China. Uh, Ying Ying and Lili. They are two pandas. They're notoriously bad at mating, as pandas happen to be. And, of course, they're behind a glass enclosure all the time, and people are staring at them. And what happens is, evidently, they've got stage fright, like Ying Ying has stage fright, or Yee Lili. I'm not sure which one's the man and which one's, uh, I don't know which one's the male, which one's the female. But apparently, now that the zoo has been shut down and that there's no visitors, for the first time in a decade... In the privacy of their own enclosure, they are finally taking an interest in each other, and they are doing what pandas do in the springtime. They are doing, during their quarantine, what a lot of other folks are doing uh, during during their own quarantine. So that's, you know, so there's, there's pandas in love in China as a result of the coronavirus. And speaking of couples, there's another couple from Illinois. I don't know if you heard about this. Apparent murder-suicide. The man and the woman both found dead with a bullet in their heads. Patrick Jezernick and his girlfriend, Cheryl Schreifer, they both thought they had the coronavirus and they were petrified with fear. 
They had the symptoms. They got tested. They went home. They couldn't handle the stress anymore. They they committed a murder suicide. The uh, it was two days before Whoa. their bodies were found. Then all of a sudden, what happened was the coroner uh, came in and did a uh, did a, an autopsy on both of them. Found out they both tested negative for the coronavirus. So there is hysteria. There is there is mass hysteria. The president was right when he said, "Look, you're going to have suicides. You're going to have people who are panicking. The stress is going to get to to, to uh, too many people." Speaking of panicking. CNN is upset that the president isn't panicking enough. Chris Cuomo, who himself has been tested positive for the coronavirus, he is sitting at home and he is doing nothing but watching the president's task force meetings every day and screaming and yelling into his camera. He is upset that the president isn't more panicked and panicking more people. This on the tail end of a story of two people killing each other just because they were afraid that they had symptoms. And when the coroner does the autopsy, finds that they're both negative. 855-765-104. But we'll talk about all this stuff. What, anything you want to talk about, this is the day to get on the phone. 855-765-1045. Dan in Jacksonville. How are you, Dan? I'm well. Thank you for taking my call. Fantastic. Uh, kick it off for us today. What do you want to talk about, Dan? So my observation through all this turmoil is... The length of service that Pelosi and Schumer have had, 38 and 35 years, respectively, in Congress, and all these oversight committees that Congress has, why is it that they did not pick up on the issues that was taking place in China instead of our first-term president? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because they were too busy on the issues that happened in the Ukraine or the issues that happened in Russia or, really, we should say the issues that didn't happen in the Ukraine or in Russia. But you're right. If they if they if they spend as many resources and as many man hours and as many dollars and as much interest, if they just even spent a modicum of time and interest on the coronavirus and what was happening in Wuhan, China, if they spent just one tenth of the amount of time they spent trying to impeach the president early la or late last year and early this year, they probably could have stopped this thing dead in their tracks. They probably could have realized what was going to happen and really come forward with some kind of plan to make sure that this virus didn't spread and destroy our economy. They could have done that. But again, that's not their goal. Their goal is never protecting the United States citizens who put them where they are. Their goal is never to make sure that Americans are better off um, than they were you know, yesterday. Their goal is to maintain power and to get and keep as much power as possible. And you can't do that. It's easier to get and maintain power in a crisis, as we've all seen, because look at how much of our liberty we've all just handed over in an effort to uh, just stay safe from the virus in China. 855-765-1045 is the number. Jack in Middleburg. How are you, Jack? Hey, good. Is this Mark? Yeah, it is, man. What's up? Good morning. Good morning. I, I, you know, I uh, listened to yesterday's uh, conversations and. Here's what I think about the uh, the captain of the Roosevelt. You know, I, I too was in the military, and when you fit the narrative of what the the military wants to put out there as a as an escape goat, you know, if you if you make a mistake and they and they and they like you, they they ask you for your resignation, and it kind of gets brushed under the rug. Yeah. But if they don't like you, then it it hits every media there is in the world. And they make you kind of a, an idiot look, you know, make you look bad. So you're saying uh, they you're saying they didn't like this captain? Because I'll be honest with you, he's the one that came out looking like a hero. And it's the uh, secretary of the Navy who, by the way, resigned yesterday. 
This guy, we read his we read his speech. The guy that went on the boat and said, "Look, everybody, your old captain was either naive or stupid. Your old captain uh, caused a, caused mayhem worldwide. Your old captain went to Washington and caused a huge fuss. Your old captain, you know what he did? He used the media. He thought the media was part of the chain of command, and it wasn't. That guy, who yesterday a lot of people thought was telling them the truth, had to step down. You had to resign yesterday." For his comments. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if if uh, if the person who's getting the publicity actually did wrong. He's turning out to be the big hero, at least in the eyes of the public. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. Alex in Nassau. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing all right, Mark. How you doing? Oh, doing great, man. What do you want to say today, sir? We're talking about the stimulus check and uh, if people are saying that. Yeah, you're gonna get it if you file your taxes and all that. But yeah. if you owe back child support, and the, the state of Florida, well, will they intercept it like they do your income tax? Because you know, I got rent to pay, lights to pay, I got groceries to buy. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm in the same boat. Now, if my ex is gonna get it. That means she's gonna get on top of the kids' money, the money she's gonna get from being remarried, and my check too. She's gonna get almost four or five thousand dollars. Uh, as far as I know, if you have back child support payments and you owe and it's been reported to the United States Treasury, yes, you will not be getting that stimulus check or you will be getting whatever it is less that you owe. How much do you owe in back child support? Uh, that's that's an ungodly amount. Oh, but at the same yeah. time, I'm making payments on it, too. So Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer, man. Hey, sorry. To, uh, sorry that that. Sorry that worked out uh, that way. Hey, you know, not every not every uh, love story ends. <laughs> not every love story ends the way you hope it would. Eight five five seven six five one zero four. Listen, we got to take a we got to take a quick break, but there's so much to get into. I want to get into this Chris Cuomo thing a little bit because you know I thought something about Chris Cuomo yesterday that is just it's almost too. I almost felt bad thinking it, and it's almost too horrible a thing to say out loud, but I feel like it needs to be said. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. Stay tuned. It's the Mark K Show on 104.5 WOKV. This is the Mark K Show. My name's Mark K. Thanks so much for joining us today, folks. We appreciate it. 855-765-1045 is the number. 855-765-1045. The other Josh would like me to reiterate that it's Wednesday because he forgets what day it is. Uh, with all this corona, you know, because of coronavirus, everyone's quarantined. The days blend together. So he said, we we should have a segment where we just say what day it is. And yeah. I was like, you mean like whatever you want Wednesday? And uh, he goes, oh, yeah. That's yeah, a point. Yeah, never mind. Uh, it is whatever you want Wednesday, by the way. And also Wednesday, for those of you that don't want anything, 855-765-1045 is the number. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to play you these, these Chris Cuomo quotes. Now, Chris Cuomo, you may remember, he's Governor Cuomo's uh, brother, and he's also a CNN reporter who has the COVID-19. He's suffering with coronavirus, although... He doesn't seem to be suffering that much, I'll be honest with you. And yesterday, he just went on a tirade, went on a rant, said, again, and it's because the media, and I think you're going to see more and more of this, as the condition gets better, as the number of cases being reported every day goes down, as the number of deaths go down, as we start to see maybe, you know, there is an end in sight, as the models start to show fewer deaths overall, as everybody starts to not get back to normal because we're not at that point yet, but start to see that we could get back to no normal and actually see, like you said, like the that it's downhill from here. As that happens, the media gets crazier and crazier and their mouths get frothier and frothier because that's the last thing in the world they want. 
They are loving life. They are loving their time in the limelight. They are loving uh, Governor Cuomo being on TV every single day. They are loving being able to rip the president at 24-7. And if this thing ends, they're going to have to figure out some new crisis for the remainder of the year up until Election Day. And what Chris Cuomo was doing and saying yesterday on television, I have to tell you, I've, I've rarely seen, and again, the guy's sick, he's got a fever, whatever, but he should take himself off of television. Because what he was doing and saying was just so irresponsible. Uh, and we'll get, in, we'll get into that in a minute. First, let's uh, knock out a couple more of these, these phone calls. 855-765-1045. Rose in Missouri. How are you, Rose? Hi, hi, Mark. How are you? Oh, doing wonderfully. Thanks so much for calling. Uh, what do you want to say today, Rose? Well, I wanted to talk about um, some people had said something about the coronavirus maybe being here back in December. Yeah. And uh, I started out thinking I had like a little sinus infection until one day, like I could not get off my couch. Like I was so, so tired. Yeah. And I woke up and I couldn't breathe. Like my oxygen was actually at an 83% when I went to the hospital. And I had... They were, they seemed a little dumbfounded. Um, they asked me where I got it. And I mean, they ran all kinds of tests on sure, me. They yeah. my all my organs. I was hospitalized. Um, actually, my whole house was sick. My husband said he had the worst cough that he's never had a cough like that before. His chest hurt so bad. Uh, my, my, my daughter, she was only yeah. a few months old at the time. She was sick. We were all sick. And, um, they told me I had pneumonia at the hospital, but when I looked at my records, it said, suspicious of pneumonia yeah that happened to a lot of people i had something very similar in january and my doctor said i believe it's an upper respiratory infection which sounds a lot like what coronavirus is we've had people call this show repeatedly saying my entire office like half the office was out they had to actually close because so many people were sick at the same time schools you'll see if you go back pneumonia i mean how many people have been getting pneumonia and walking pneumonia and and people walking around saying oh this is the worst flu season ever Maybe it wasn't the worst flu season ever. Maybe it was just coronavirus uh, before it became before it became cool, before it became all the rage and before it became known. And I think probably you had it sounds like you had a touch of it. Uh, you know, I know that there's a woman that goes to our church. She was out for two weeks, had to be hospitalized because of, quote unquote, the flu. Doesn't sound like any flu that I'm familiar with. Um, and so I think you're right. I think more and more people are realizing that this thing has been around a lot longer than than even they think. 855-765-1045. Lisa in St. Augustine. How you doing, Lisa? Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Hey, great. great, buddy. Oh, good. What did you want to say, Lisa? Okay, what I got is a scenario, and if you let me, it's kind of a little bit of a long one, but um, I got a point for the whole thing. All right, well, you got about, you got about 30 about... seconds, and then we got to go to break. Oh, no. Okay, well, that's, uh, I was thinking this morning, like, what if you have a slumber party at your house? Like, 25, eight-year-olds, and on the news it said that somebody was released, two criminals, two murderers in your neighborhood. And would the parents go in there and say, look, girls, hey, they're going to hurt you. They're probably going to get in the house. They're probably going to kill some of us, you know, but this is the way it is. Or would you go in there and say, look. Your mom and dad, my dad and mom and my teenage son, we're going to watch over you. We're going to lock all the doors. We're going to take care of you and protect you, and they're not going to hurt you, and the police are probably going to come and get these guys real soon, so don't worry. You don't know what's going to happen, but this is what, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to try to, you're not going to terrorize these yeah. kids. You're going to try to tell everybody, you know, it's going to be all right, you know, which is what the president's doing, and anybody normal would do something like that, anybody. You're, Lisa, I see, I, you got there just in time, and I see what you're 
you're saying. And I'll, you know what? We're going to expand on that. I'll play you these Chris Cuomo quotes here in just a minute because they are pretty disturbing. 855-765-1045. Quick break. More of the Marque Show coming up. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are, and you hold them accountable. That's the Mark K Show. This is the Mark K Show. You know, I, when I was in Cincinnati last year for the Trump rally with Jeremy Ratliff, I, uh, I, I met Kaylee McEnany. She, until yesterday, was the um, press secretary for the Trump national campaign. And I remember talking to her, and we did an interview with her. We played some of the clips, and she was just so well-spoken and knew her stuff. And since then, I've seen her all over television. In fact, I see her more often than I do the former press secretary. So it was no surprise to me when uh, when Stephanie Grisham got replaced with Kaylee McEnany. She just had a baby, too. So she's having a heck of a year, but really great choice. And I think you're going to start to see I think this is uh, one of the reasons you're going to start to see these changes, especially in the press um, office, is because with the president doing these daily press conferences and these task force briefings, he's going to need somebody to eventually lift some of the weight off of his shoulders. And Stephanie Grisham was not the person to do that. Kaylee McEnany, she 110 percent can handle herself with the media, with the press, with any of these talking heads. And uh, she's going to do a bang up job. So I'm really excited. She's kind of a she's kind of more the, the type of press secretary you would want to see going into an election. And I think that uh, that she's set up to uh, to really succeed going forward. Um, also, if you go on my Instagram, I posted a photo of the two of us in Cincinnati. So you can prove that I it proved that I actually did meet some. She was like I said, she's way more important now than she was back then. So uh, that's why I reposted the photo. Uh, go to Mark K on Instagram. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. All right. So what I'm about to say is probably going to be controversial and probably uh, some people will be mad about it. And you guys feel free to call and complain. But Chris Cuomo has done something now and said something from the confines of his New York City apartment where he has been uh, self-quarantined because he has the coronavirus. He has COVID-19. He's been there for, I don't know, 10 days. He's doing these live broadcasts, which, again, when I watch these things, when I see what he's doing, the only thought that comes to my mind, and I feel horrible for thinking it, and I feel even worse for saying it, but... Part of me believes that there is a part of him that if he didn't purposely try to get the coronavirus to perpetuate his career, at least a part of him is really happy that he has it. Because when he broadcasts now, he really he lays into the president and he kind of he takes that tact like because I have the coronavirus, I'm the expert because I have the coronavirus. I know all. And Donald Trump is failing because I have the corona. I think he thinks it puts him on a pedestal, on a level above the president and the coronavirus task force because he's currently suffering. And he seems really, I mean, angrier than usual, more worked up than usual. But also there seems to be this this sense of excitement that he has this horrible disease so that he can attack the president. Here's what he said yesterday. And CNN airs, they're so, they're very culpable in this whole thing. They aired this rant about the uh, the press conference that Donald Trump held. Here is what, here's how Chris Cuomo, live from his house, suffering from coronavirus, here's how he started his rant yesterday. Listen carefully. Let me, we always have a problem with the, but here it is. The past is over. There can be no more letting politics reinforce our worst instincts. We need to build on our best instincts. And that said, while I'm asking you all to do that, the man at the top 
refuses to change. Okay, so he's really upset with President Trump refusing to change. And the one thing that annoyed, he played a clip of the president's task force briefing from yesterday. And this clip of all the clips of the one hour and 45 minutes that the president spoke yesterday, this is the clip that pushed Chris Cuomo, coronavirus sufferer, totally over the edge. I'm a cheerleader for this country. I don't want to create havoc and shock and everything else i'm not going to go out and start screaming this could happen this could happen all right so the president's saying look i'm a cheerleader for the united states of america i don't want to get up here every day and panic people i don't want to create shock i don't want to come out here and start throwing out these hypothetical um alternate universes where everything is horrible so i'm not going to do that chris cuomo thinks that's the worst thing that the president could say that's exactly what leadership is it is. If you're in 1930s Germany or 1960s Cuba, the only leaders that go out and start spewing hellfire and brimstone and this is what's going to happen unless you follow my orders, this is what is going to happen unless you do what I say, are dictatorial lunatics. And the president of the United States is the opposite. Chris Cuomo thinks he's a weak leader and thinks he's lying to the American people. Anybody can tell people what they want to hear and make it easy. And then you know what you get? Exactly where we are right now. Exactly where we are right now, which is where in a society that seems to be handling the crisis fairly well. You have you have 13,000 cases. I'm sorry, you have 13,000 deaths from the coronavirus. And when we started this thing, when we started flattening the curve, everyone told us that if we didn't flatten the curve, we were looking at 1.5 million American deaths. If we did flatten the curve, it was closer to 150,000. And we are nowhere near that. And the curve is starting to get flat. And the reported cases every day are starting to go down. And there's not mass hysteria. And there's not mass panic. And the president is being a cheerleader for the United States. And he's trying to help people not just physically get through this virus, but also emotionally and, most importantly, economically. Because for a lot of people, that's where the real devastation reigns. So, so the president saying, hey, look, I'm a cheerleader for Americans sets Chris Cuomo off like you wouldn't believe. Listen to what he said next. That was the most asinine statement of leadership I have ever heard. Now, keep in mind, his brother is Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. So when he says that's the most asinine piece of leadership I've ever heard, he definitely, I mean, he's heard some asinine pieces of leadership. He knows what he's talking about. And I can't even dismiss it on the president having 102 fever like I do. Now, this is the first clue, okay? This is, listen to what he said once again. I'm going to play it one more time. And I can't even dismiss it on the president having 102 fever like I do. That's why that's the first clue there. That to me is the first clue that he's kind of kind of boosted by the coronavirus. I'm not going to say happy because I just don't as crazy as the Democrats are as crazy as the news media is. I don't think any one of them, at least I hope. I hope not one of them is 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 just psychotic enough to purposely get the coronavirus or be happy that they're suffering from COVID-19 because it puts them on a superior stance about this disease to their to their their major nemesis, their number one enemy, public enemy number one in their eyes, the president of the United States. But it seems to me that way because he brings up his fever. And and then he goes, He I think he sees it as an excuse to do and say whatever he wants, because here's what he said next. I'm a cheerleader, so I'm going to lie to you about the realities that your parents, your loved ones, and your kids face. 
I'm not going to prepare the way I should because it reinforces the bullshit I'm telling you. And I'm going to hope that you're okay with it. There he is, ranting, raving, cussing at the president for saying something as nice as, hey, I'm a cheerleader for this country and I'm not going to I'm not going to cause panic. What? And these, that's not presidential. That's not what leaders do. That's what presidents throughout history have been doing. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, FDR. What counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Dwight D. Eisenhower, faith crosses every border and touches every heart in every nation, GWB. There are no constraints on the human mind, no walls around the human spirit, no barriers to our progress except those we ourselves erect. Ronald Reagan, a little flattery will support a man through great fatigue. James Monroe, yes, we can. Barack Hussein Obama. Dude, take your medicine and calm down. Being a cheerleader is exactly what the president of the United States is supposed to be doing. He said we'd be good by Easter. On Easter Sunday, you know what? I will be sick and I will be sick for some time to come. And somebody telling me something else doesn't make me feel any better. It makes me feel worse about them. I don't think he could feel any worse than he feels about Donald Trump. And also, dude, you were sick a long time before you got the coronavirus, and you're going to be sick for years to come. 855-765-1045. I was wrong, by the way. I was wrong. I don't feel bad saying any of that. 855-765-1045. We got to take a quick, uh, quick break. When we get back, we've got more of the Marque Show coming up. It's whatever you want Wednesday on 104.5 WOKV. Pennsylvania are very upset with the Amish for not social distancing. They've been apparently, you know, raising barns together and, I don't know, walking down the street together. And they had a 400-person horse auction the other day. Uh, but, but, I mean, look, they don't have TV and radio and the Internet. I may, they may not even know that you have to social distance. 855-765-1045. 855-765-1045 is our number. This is Steve in McClenny. How are you, Steve? Thanks so much for calling the Marque Show. Hi. Hey, thanks, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. I hope you're doing pretty good, too. I'm doing great, man. I just man. wanted to talk. Oh, that's great. We'll okay. be good. I just wanted to talk about uh, our local news and CNN, for example. Okay. It's the same news. Uh, if you look, their reporters and experts that they use on our local news are from uh, CNN and on national issues. Like this morning, they used Cuomo as an example. You know, Governor Cuomo. Yeah, I know who and he is. He was giving us, giving us, uh, you know, his effect. And then yesterday they were talking about hydrochloroquine and side effects. They never mentioned the, the percent of side effects. You know, is it yeah. serious? Is it easy to happen? I had to look it up. It's not that great. Yeah. You know, can't. And, uh, and then today they, and then they dropped it like they usually do because we, I think we got a million doses yesterday. The state did. Yeah. From the government. There's millions of this hydrochloroquine thing. If there's millions and millions of doses out there and there's millions more coming in and doctors are prescribing. I mean, this is the thing that people don't understand. It's all about your doctor. Hydrochloroquine is not something where you're going to walk into the pharmacy and say, yeah, you know, give me 42 ounces of hydrochloroquine, go home and OD on the stuff or have some kind of reaction to it. That's uh, that's counterproductive to you fighting the coronavirus. It's like any other medication. You have to go to the doctor. You have to get a workup. The doctor has to give you a physical. The doctor has to look at your history and the doctor has to decide whether or not hydrochloroquine is going to work for you. And and if the doctor decides, mm, you know what, 
hydrochloroquine works for you. Here's your prescription. You go and you get the prescription and you take it. And then hopefully you get better, like the thousands of people who are taking it and getting better. But if you are going to have a side effect or if you have some kind of other illness or if you're taking some other medication that doesn't mix well with hydrochloroquine, then your doctor is the one that's going to say, no, I'm not giving you a prescription. You don't get it. You're going to have to fight the coronavirus some other way. It's like any other medicine. You know, so when they say, oh, Trump's pushing this magic pill, he's not. He's saying this works. If you have this, talk to your doctor. But the president's not going to show up at your house and dump, dump a bunch of hydrochloroquine there and say, take this or else. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. 855-765-1045. Hey, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Russell in Jacksonville. How are you, Russell? Doing great. Oh, great, man. What do you want to say? Well, I just left Home Depot in Jacksonville, overheard a man talking on the phone, blaming on this uh, coronavirus on Trump because he put tariffs on China. China got mad, made this, and sent it over. Yeah. I mean, like, the guy has no clue what's going on. The uh, second thing I want to say is I would love to know in hospitals, because they're being so clean now, is staph infections decreasing in the hospitals? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know at all about the, I don't have the numbers on staph inf infections in hospitals. But, you know, it, look, there could be a silver lining in all of this. For example, we could come out of this as a healthier society because, A, we stop shaking people's nasty hands, not knowing where they've been. We stop hugging strangers. We stop high-fiving. You know, there could maybe we stand a little farther apart when we're waiting at the grocery store. We respect people's personal space. That could all be great. The hospitals could be cleaner. Schools could be cleaner. People may be more uh, vigilant about keeping themselves or their kids home when they have a sniffle or a cough or some kind of infection so that they don't spread it around anyone else this could be just god's big teaching moment for the rest of us saying look i love you you love me if you want to survive another couple thousand millennia then you got to stop shaking hands people nowhere in the bible did i ever say shake anyone's hands no one nowhere in the bible did i say hug thy neighbor i said love thy neighbor but you guys are taking the you can love thy neighbor from afar you know, but this is this is kind of a reset for your for your uh, physical well-being. That could be the thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this on the tariff question. There's a lot of quote unquote conspiracy theories out there that the more I sit and think about them, and maybe it's because I've had a lot of time to sit and think about them. The more I think that's prob that's possible, probable. Maybe not. Possible? 100%. And could the Chinese, who have been taking advantage of us for so long and basically stealing money from us from, for so long, could they encounter somebody like Donald Trump and see that the pre here's a president who's renegotiating trade deals, who's boosting tariffs on pretty much everything, who's saying, not so fast, China, we are no longer going to be, we are no longer going to be your B word. We are going to get what's coming to us. We're not going to let you take advantage of us. We're going to stand up to you. And now, as as a result, the economy explodes. I mean, explodes here in the United States. Small businesses explode. Everyone is seeing this this amazing mass of of just prosperity. And China is paying for all of it. Could they 
Could they have somehow weaseled this Wuhan virus into the United States? Could they have taken this this disease and maybe not maybe not developed it specifically for this use? But once they realized how deadly it was, could they not have sent some operatives over on one of the many flights a day that came into China to cough and and hack and spread this virus around? I mean, is it probable? Maybe not. Is it possible? Uh-huh. 855-765-1045. There's a bunch more of those. I haven't even gotten into the 5G stuff yet. Woody Harrelson says 5G is what's killing us, not the coronavirus. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's the Mark K Show, 855-765-1045. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are, and you hold them accountable. That's the Mark K Show. This is the Mark K Show. Wait, that's not what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted, sushi? I wanted, no, I wanted something else. Don't want sushi. Where was it? I thought I had it ready to go. Oh, here it is. Oh, never mind. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, let's get let's get back to the phone, shall we? Uh, Susie in Middleburg. How are you, Susie? Doing real good this morning, Mark. How about yourself? Excellent, Susie. Anything you wanted to tell us? It's Trump Day. Oh, yeah, perfect. You know that it's it's Trump Day, a.k.a. whatever you want Wednesday, whenever Susie calls uh, to remind us. Thanks so much for the call, Susie, and uh, glad to hear that you're doing okay. 855-765-1045. Dean on the south side. Hey, Dean, how are you? Hey, good morning. just wanted to chime in about the press you were talking earlier. Um, Prior to COVID-19, Trump was doing the chopper talks out there in the lawn. But you can just see, though, with the press conferences every night, and he's out doing his best. And, the, and the, how ill-prepared and ill-informed our press is. I mean, the, some of the questions they present, I mean, you know, it's like an eighth grader or something, not someone that's graduated from a journalism college. In oh, country. yeah, the one guy, he cut off the one guy yesterday because he didn't know what he was talking. He literally said, what are you talking about? He was asking about oil prices. And, the, and Trump said, what are the oil prices right now? And the guy goes, I don't know, I have to check. He goes, well, then I'm not answering your question. You're ill-prepared. It's like we're back in college. Remember when, like, your, your professor would ask you something? You'd be like, uh, I didn't read the chapter. And he'd say, get out of my class and don't come back till you've, till you've read the chapter. Um, yeah, what, what was the other thing? I'm sorry? No, that is, but that's the whole point I'm just saying. I mean, you know, having a free and informed press in this country is one of the pillars of how this country should really work. And it's just it's just exposed what the press is all about, along with our, you know, career politicians who, you know, they're there of no help of trying to yeah. navigate this crisis or prior to this crisis or going outside this crisis, like I say. Dean, you know, you know what, my- there, there's a really, and I thank you so much for your call, and thanks for pointing that out, because there's a really important thing about these press conferences. People are like, why does the president have to talk for like two hours a day? And there's a reason for that. And there's a there's there's some really good things. These presidential task force briefings every day, they do a couple of things. First of all, they take up two to three hours, which means that's two to three hours less fake news that you're going to get on CNN every day. Every there's only 24 hours in a day. And typically CNN jam packs it with all of the stuff that they pick and choose. The Chris Cuomo COVID-19 rants and the Don Lemon lies and everything else they can they can pick and choose. The the, the Anderson Cooper whiny, you know, complaint fest hour. I think that's 360, whatever they call it. And now that the president comes in and handles the news and the news delivery for three hours, they're down to 21 hours 
of fake news every single day. And that goes for MSN, too. So really, that's six hours of fake news that we're being saved from. And then when you look at all the other stations, M- M- you know, NBC and ABC and all the rest of them, it really is doing the public a service. The second thing is it's training people to see how ridiculous the media is. Because my wife, who I'll be honest with you, not a huge fan of the president. I mean, she's not a huge fan of of, of any uh, of any of them, Jim, not a big Bernie, uh, Bernie fan. It doesn't really uh, can't stand Joe Biden. But when it comes to President Trump, like many women, finds him abrasive, doesn't understand why he can't. Why does he have to talk like that? Why is he so eager? And I, all the things that you usually hear. But she has been watching these press conferences. And the more she watches, the more she realizes how ridiculous the press is and how they walk in there, not with the agenda of journalism, not with the agenda of Finding facts so that they can report them back to the people. They walk in there with the agenda of trying to trip up the president and catch him in some kind of salacious sound bite that they can then spread all over the world uh, to make themselves rich and famous. And that's basically what the media has become. And one of the things that happened yesterday was this this Wisconsin election. The people in Wisconsin, they held their primary election yesterday and the Democrats wanted to stop it. And they took it to the courts and the court said no. And the lower court took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said no. And so they had to go on with this election. And of course, the media, the media then wanted to blame. Guess who? President Trump. So they asked him about it. Not once, not twice. Three, four, I don't like forever. And whenever they moved on to another subject, someone would bring it back because they wanted to blame President Trump for the election in Wisconsin. Should somebody get the coronavirus? Here's one of them. The Democrats in Wisconsin, they had no problem with the election being today until I endorsed the Republican candidate. Justice Kelly, Daniel Kelly. Okay, so there's President Trump. President Trump is saying, look, this is a problem that the Democrats have created at the last minute because there's a Supreme Court uh, ballot initiative to put this guy, Daniel Kelly, on the Supreme Court. The president loves him, wants him on the on the court and thinks that if there's a if there's a uh, an alternative way to vote or if the election gets pushed back, the Democrats are arguing that this guy is not going to this guy can't lose. If you force people to go out and vote, he's a he's a shoe. He's a shoo-in to get on the court, and he's he's loved by the president. He's Republican. They can't handle any of that. So they make this push to push back the election. And President Trump says, look, here's what the Democrats had no problem with. it." So then one of them asked about the social distancing and the lines and the things like that. Uh, Mr. President, just turning back to the voting in Wisconsin. Oh, hold on. Wait, let me get to this is the one first that I wanted to play. How does the the election, them holding this election in Wisconsin line up with the social distancing recommendations that have come from your administration? Well, you ask the people that you have a, a Democrat in Wisconsin as governor. Ask him. That's his problem. He should be doing it. Again, some governors fail, and I won't let them fail because when they fail, I'll help. But that's run by Democrats right now. And this is the problem. The, every, the, the president of the United States has no jurisdiction over the primary elections in the state of Wisconsin. The elections in the state of Wisconsin are run by the Democratic Committee and the, the Republican Committee and the Board of Elections and the governor. It's a state election. The governor is the one in charge. And if he doesn't like it, he has various things he can do. There's lawsuits. There's this and that. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. It's not the president's job. It's not the president's responsibility. And the president does not have the power and authority to come in and stop an election. It's the governor's job. 
And this goes back to the whole thing with the governor's taking responsibility. It's everyone's problem. If you're a governor and you need ventilators, great. We'll try to get you some. But in the meantime, try to find your own ventilators. If there's two of us working to solve the problem, great. Better for us. If you're a governor and you want to have an election or you don't want to have an election, that's up to you. It's not the president's job. And the pre- it's a slippery slope. The president shouldn't even comment on whether or not the election should go on. Should he endorse a candidate? Absolutely. Should he say this election needs to go on despite the coronavirus? No, that's not his place. But the media, they're looking for someone to blame. If somebody goes out and votes in Wisconsin because the Supreme Court said, no, we have to hold this election today and they don't socially distance and they get the coronavirus, whose fault is that? I mean, really? Uh, maybe it's the person that coughed on them. Maybe they didn't wear a mask. Maybe they didn't wash their hands. Maybe they touched their face. Maybe the governor or the or the precinct uh, captain should have put out six foot, you know, pieces of blue tape like they do at Walgreens. So you know how far apart to stand. Maybe they should have had more sanitizer on the pens at the polling place. There's no way to pinpoint whose fault it is for the uh, for the Wuhan uh, virus getting into Wisconsin. Should somebody just go and, and vote? You know, blame the guy who ate the bat. Why are you blaming the president of the United States of America? And then another reporter continues. Uh, Mr. President, just turning back to the voting in Wisconsin and those long lines, who can be responsible and who should be held responsible if people get sick after they voted? Look, all I did was endorse a candidate. (laughs) I don't know anything about their lines. I don't know anything about their... Voting, I love the state. Yeah, I won the state today as well. Will you yeah. take some of the responsibility if some uh, of the I won the state, which is rare for a Republican to do, but I won the state of Wisconsin. I'm going to win it again because we've been great to the people of Wisconsin, as you know, with our policies, and they like me and I like them. Right, I like the people of Wisconsin. I don't want them getting sick, but I don't know how to. I don't know what to tell you. The, the whole primary election in Wisconsin is only a thing because the president endorsed one candidate for the Supreme Court. And now, all of a sudden, people are dropping dead, waiting in line at the polls in Wisconsin. And whose fault? We, Mr. President, it's your people are dying in Wisconsin while trying to catch. Are they? Is that even happening? Do we have reports of that? Did anybody get sick because they went out and voted? I'm, I'm, I feel like that's a difficult thing to prove. And I feel like that's a difficult thing to cast blame on. And should we, should we stop the electoral process because of this virus? Look at Joe Biden. Doesn't he want his electoral votes? He wants a virtual campaign. He wants a virtual, uh, convention. Let the people vote. Get your, get your, uh, get your, uh, delegates in line. You don't have to worry about it. I don't know. The whole thing just seems kooky. Oh, there's every single time something happens, they're looking for somebody to blame, not somebody to blame. They're looking to blame the president of the United States. H eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. Look at the time. We got to take another quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. More of the Marque show coming up. Is continuing to wear spandex leggings after Easter considered a fashion faux pas? (laughs) I'm asking for a friend. I don't know. I don't know anyone who wears pants anymore, uh, to tell you the truth. 855-765-1045. We got to get, sorry, we went on a couple rants today. I mean, it was fun. We had a good time, but uh, we need to get back to, we need to get back to beeswax. We've got a lot of people for whatever you want Wednesday waiting very patiently. One of them is Jerry in Jasper, Georgia. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I am doing very well. How are you? Oh, doing great, man. What did you want to say today, Jerry? Well, you know what? This uh, this whole COVID 
uh, 19 is going to lead to many discussions for many years. And I'm sure you've already heard the conversations or the comments made how bad or or the uh, the need that we bring manufacturing back to America. Oh, yeah. You've heard that? I'm, I'm assuming you have. Yeah. Well, I, I've heard it, too. And let me, and let me preface that I'm an authorized uh, industrial safety specialist. But I just don't think we are currently, as a nation, as a culture, we're ready to bring all that back. And, and, and let, me, let me elaborate or let me give that uh, some more credence. You know, I'm just sitting here in my home office, and I'm working. And Mark, I've been on hold for a while, but I'm sitting here looking. My computer's made in China. My mouse is made in China. My earbuds are China. My phone, my Yeti cup, my magnifying glass, my stapler, my tape measure, my uh, my rulers, my tape dispenser, my clock. Okay, we well, yeah, get a lot of stuff made in China there, yeah. It's made in China. So, you know, and when we say, well, why did we move so much of our manufacturing offshore? Well, then I would say, why? You know, is it taxes? Or is it the environmental uh, regulations? Or is it the Department of Labor and the safety regulation? I say it's a combination of all. Yeah. Well, look, I I would... The, the manufacturing job and look, the jobs that are that are leaving the United States that I think most people are more concerned about were the white collar jobs. It was more of the tech jobs and they were going to India and the manufacturing jobs, uh, you know, from the auto workers that were headed down to to Mexico and, the, you know, the, the train air conditioner uh, construction. Nobody here in the United States is going to want to work for five cents an hour putting together your stapler, you know, or your mouse. None of that. Um, and so, so what's happening is, uh, you're, you're gonna see some manufacturing jobs. I mean, most of them are gonna stay in China. No one else can compete. But when you have more of a, when you have more of a, a white collar job, when you have more of a high paying, uh, job that requires some kind of, you know, like, like a tech job, those are the ones that are, that are most concerning. And most of the culprits there are, are India. As far as manufacturing, I mean, look, every country is trying to steal manufacturing. But until China changes their ways and, and, you know, stops keeping their, their, their workers in basically slave-like conditions. I mean, they, these people, some of them live in the factories. They don't make any money. You know, they're unhealthy. Uh, and, and there's, and there's no way to compete with that here in the American society, especially the way that we consume things. Um, so look, you're always going to have to deal with China. The important thing is to make sure that those deals, as the president has told us repeatedly, to make sure that those deals are not one-sided to make sure that those deals are not lopsided uh to make sure that you have um so to make sure that you have a series of people uh who are out there working correctly to make sure that while we cannot cut china off you know 100 percent we've got to make sure that we are we are bearing the brunt or that we're not bearing the brunt, rather, and that we're getting a fair deal. But that's a, I mean, it's a great point. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. All right, we got some, uh, we got some uh, breaking news here. Bernie Sanders. Bernie said a lot of people. In fact, we just got an OM, uh, an open mic message. Somebody asking about Senator Sanders. I kind of want to know about Bernie Sanders. What's happened to him? Where is he at? Is he even still in the presidential race? Yeah. Well, no is the answer. He just now suspended his campaign for president. Bernie Sanders has just suspended his campaign for president. I believe he made some kind of informal announcement. Perhaps there may be a uh, there may be some kind of uh, formal announcement. Maybe he'll send some kind of video message. But it appears now that Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign for president, literally handing the nomination now to Joe Biden. And that also that also kind of relieves the pressure on the Democratic Party to have 
any kind of convention and maybe opens it up for a virtual convention, which is something that the former vice president has been asking for for several weeks. 855-765-1045. We will have more of this story. This is big news, folks. This is it. This is Bernie Sanders bowing out and saying, Democrats, Joe Biden is your guy. This is Bernie Sanders saying November, it's going to be President Trump versus Vice President Biden in a battle to the death. That is if they're both, you know, if neither one of them has succumbed from the coronavirus by then. 855-765-1045. Quick break. More of the Marque Show coming up on 104.5 WOKV. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are, and you hold them accountable. That's the Mark K Show. This is the Mark K Show. All right, so we are waiting now on a special message from Bernie Sanders. Uh, apparently, he's dropping out of the race. He's calling it quits. He's suspending his campaign, which is always a horrible way to put it. Nobody ever suspends a campaign and then picks it back up again. So you're not suspending it. You're basically stopping it. They should just call it what it is. Hey, I'm quitting. I'm stopping. I'm canceling my campaign. It's over. Um, but they did, but they say suspend. I mean, it's, it's not going to, it's never going to come back again. The people, by the way, there's a, uh, we'll stream it live. It's going to be live streamed here in just a minute. And we're, <laughs> the other Josh pointed out that they, they didn't update their messaging. So it says stream start starting soon. Chip in now at berniesanders.com. He's like, why are we chipping in? He's pulling out of the race. I go, Oh, they just, they had to fire their uh, internet guy. They didn't have anyone to, uh, to update the graphic. Um, but coming up here at 1145 AM, a special, we'll bring that to you live so you can hear you can hear uh, the disappointment in all of the uh, in all of the burnouts nationwide um, as it's happening. Also, this keep in mind, this means it's Biden Trump. It's Biden Trump in November uh, of this year. And that's uh, good news for I mean, it's good, good news for Donald Trump because he, number one, knows who is, his uh, opponent is going to be away, uh, you know, way before the convention. And number two, he knows it is Joe Biden, who's probably one of the most beatable candidates this country has ever seen. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. This is uh, Gary in Jacksonville. Hey, Gary, how are you? Hey, Mark. Hey, I got I got um, the Como thing. I taped it, seeing if he'd have any um, symptoms, and he didn't. And then I taped it last night. I didn't watch it yet. Hard to stomach him. Yeah. But I, what about the possibility of him faking it? And the only symptom he has is something we can't prove, a 102 point yeah. whatever temperature. Yeah. I mean, where did he get tested? He didn't talk about that. That's why I taped it. I want to see where did he get tested? Why did he get tested? Anyway, I, mean, I just want to give you that idea. Yeah, no, I, Gary, I appreciate it. Uh, Chris Cuomo uh, freaked out yesterday again on President Trump. Here's part of what he said. Oh, hold on. Let me hit the button. I'm a cheerleader, so I'm going to lie to you about the realities that your parents, your loved ones, and your kids face. I'm not going to prepare the way I should because it reinforces the bullshit. I'm telling you, and I'm going to hope that you're okay with it. Right. And then he goes on to talk about how the president can't blame a 102 fever, a uh, 102 degree fever like I have. And he can't go on and say, oh, look, I'm going to be still sick on Easter and I'm going to be sick after that. And nothing you say is going to make me better. He really seems to be touting this illness a lot and not acting sick at all. Uh, I mean, it's somebody with a fever, somebody with a hacking cough, somebody who he said the other day was delusional. He was having these hallucinations. How can he get on TV every day and rant and rave coherently about the president? I can barely get on the radio every day and rant and rave when I feel great. You know, and so it is. I look, I don't think he's fa at least I hope he's not faking. I don't know for sure. Never met the guy. Uh, 
But to me, faking is worse than purposely getting it or just or just being excited that you get it because of the image you can then put forward on the news. If he's faking it, I mean, that's 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 horrible. Um, but, you know, hey, it is CNN. <laughs> it's CNN. They fake they fake pretty much everything. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. Amy is in Michigan. Amy, thanks so much for calling the Mark K show. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Oh, good. I'm good. Fine. You don't you don't you don't sound good. But what's going on? Huh? No, I have allergies. It's really oh, bad. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst. What's up? What's up, Amy? Okay. So you guys keep talking about this 5G thing. I want to explain it to yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Right. Tell us the 5G conspiracy. That's right. We were going to talk about that because a lot of celebrities are glomming onto it now. Uh, tell us what's well, happening. President Trump has even said something about it. Yeah. Back in 2014, he banned those phones from China. I can't pronounce the name. They're the Z Huawei. Phones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the reason why, well, he then he tweeted out something that says, can you figure out the true meaning of Kofifi? And he says, enjoy. Okay. And uh, hey, Amy, hang on one second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you back on. Your allergies are making it difficult <laughs> to understand what you're saying. Uh, oh, but we have Anthony from Boston who may have another conspiracy theory regarding 5G. Anthony, go ahead. What do you want to say? How you doing, Mark? Thank hey, good. Well, Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to ask you and your theory and the rest of the people who are watching and listening to this show um the 5g network the uh, conspiracy with the communism countries between china iran russia and a few other countries uh, there was a segment yesterday i was watching about the uh, microchip um injection Already in Australia, they have ten, five to 10,000 cases. They don't have the st statistics exactly, but they already are injecting between five to 10,000 people out there with the microchip. Yeah. And my only concern with that is that's more government power. That means the government will know where you are, what you're doing, where you're going. They're going to control uh, your finances. You're going to work longer hours. It's going to be like a credit card system, but it's going to be injected in your body. Yeah, I've heard that. And Anthony, but, yeah, listen. If you don't comply, yeah. don't comply, they're going to just basically shut you out. Now, the other question is, this has been Bill Gates' baby since 2014, 2015. Yeah. He's cashed in all his investment, his stock, and now he's going after this along with China. Yeah, listen, uh, Anthony, I see where you're going with this. I'll tell you what, this is a longer cut. There's a lot of these theories, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have time because we're waiting on Bernie Sanders now to speak. He ruins everything, that guy. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. Tomorrow, we will, and I the other Josh, remind me of this like nine times between now and tomorrow because okay. I'm, I'm going to say it. Tomorrow, what we'll do is we will uh, we will dedicate the first part of the show to some of these conspiracy theories oh. and explain to people exactly because I'm hearing a lot of them, and a lot of them are, are different. A lot of them are intertwined. For example, the 5G, the micro chip bill gates i've heard a lot i've heard his name come up a lot he is all he's all of a sudden um with a lot of the conspiracy theorists um and a lot of the people that that you know uh wear the tinfoil hats and things he's become kind of the the bond villain if you will yeah i noticed that that is that has got this diabolical plot to take over the world and uh you know hey look i mean the guy he did it once before maybe he could do it again so we'll kind of delve into some of these conspiracy theories some we'll do like a conspiracy theory thursday 
And that'll do two things. That'll kind of explain the background for a lot of these. And also it will remind the other Joshua what day it is. Because he likes <laughs> he likes to have that reminder every single day. Yeah, he's like, well, we have fake news Friday. Right, you're right. on Wednesday. You're right. Yeah, so we're, we're three-fifths of the way there. Absolutely. 855-765-104. Here's another one real quick. Jim in Jacksonville. How you doing, Jim? Well, I heard the darndest thing last night on the Shannon Bream show yeah. on uh, Fox News. Okay. And I wanted to ask you if you'd heard anything like this, but she had a general on there, a general who's a regular contributor to her show. And he said that most people don't really realize what happened. He said that when this broke out, that the Chinese sent... Five million people from Wuhan around the world on planes to infect the rest of the planet. And, you know, and when he said this, I'm like, what? And so I replayed it. My wife heard it, too. And like, well, what did we just hear? We replayed it three times. I mean, that's like half of Wuhan. That This guy is saying that they purposely sent into all the countries around the world to infect them. Now, I, I mean, and Shannon Bream didn't blink an eye when he said this. I, I, I thought she'd fall off the chair. Yeah. But I wanted to see if you would, if you had heard anything like that, or if you could verify that if, if any of this is true. But I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, listen, I can't verify anything because I do zero research on this program. However, I will say this: I've heard that, and I've seen the charts, and I've seen the number of. Uh, flights that have landed and where they were headed and how many people left Wuhan province in China right after this whole thing broke out. So there is there is definitely um, a lot of questions being asked about that. I hadn't heard that this general commented to Shannon Bream, but we'll look that. Listen, we're dedicating the first part of the Josh, you have to remind me in nine times. Is it just tomorrow or every Thursday? No, just tomorrow. Well, okay. I mean, we'll see if there's like if there's, there's a lot of conspiracy, a lot of conspiracy there. theories. We'll start with tomorrow. We'll pick maybe like three or four of the most popular ones. We'll start with those. And then uh, and then we'll try to get into it a little bit more. And that'll, like I said, give us an opportunity to um, share with you what other people are thinking, what their fears are, what they believe. And also. And also, uh, it will remind Josh what date is. 855-765-1045. Listen, we're still waiting on Bernie Sanders. We're going to bring you this message here, hopefully live, if he's, uh, you know, he's a little older, so he may be a little slower getting to the stage. Uh, we'll bring it to you here in just a minute. Quick break. More of the Marquee Show coming up on 104.5 WOKV. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day, and it was Bernie Sanders, and it said, I'm drunk. Oh, wait, hold on. Here he is. He's live. Let's go to him live. Uh, I want to express to each of you my deep gratitude for helping to create an unprecedented grassroots political campaign that has had a profound impact in changing our nation. I want to thank the hundreds of thousands of volunteers who knocked on doors, millions of them, in the freezing winters of Iowa and New Hampshire and in the heat of Nevada and in South Carolina and in states throughout the country. I want to thank the two million Americans who have contributed financially to our campaign and showed the world that we can take on a corrupt campaign finance system and run a major presidential campaign without being dependent upon the wealthy and the powerful. Thank you for your 10 million contributions averaging $18.50 a donation. I want to thank those who phone bank for our campaign and those of you who sent out millions of texts. And I want to thank the many hundreds of thousands of Americans who attended our rallies, town meetings, and house parties from New York to California. 
Some of these events had over 25,000 people, some had a few hundred and some had a dozen, but all were important. And let me thank those who made these many events possible. I also want to thank our surrogates, too many to name. I can't imagine that any candidate has ever been blessed with a stronger and more dedicated group of people who have taken our message to every part of this country. And I want to thank all of those who made the music and the art an integral part of our campaign. I want to thank all of you who spoke to your friends and neighbors, posted on social media, and worked as hard as you could to make this a better country. Together, we have transformed American consciousness as to what kind of nation we can become, and have taken this country a major step forward in the never-ending struggle for economic justice, social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. I also want to thank the many hundreds of people on our campaign staff. You were willing to move from one state to another and do all the work that had to be done. No job was too big or too small for you. You rolled up your sleeves and you did it. You embodied the words that are at the core of our movement, not me, but us. And I thank each and every one of you for what you've done. As many of you will recall, Nelson Mandela, one of the great freedom fighters in modern world history, famously said, and I quote, it always seems impossible until it is done, end quote. And what he meant by that is that the greatest obstacle to real social change has everything to do with the power of the corporate and political establishment to limit our vision as to what is possible and what we are entitled to as human beings. If we don't believe that we are entitled to health care as a human right, we will never achieve universal health care. If we don't believe that we are entitled to decent wages and working conditions, millions of us will continue to live in poverty. If we don't believe that we are entitled to all of the education we require to fulfill our dreams, many of us will leave school saddled with huge debt or never get the education we need. If we don't believe that we are entitled to live in a world that has a clean environment and is not ravaged by climate change, we will continue to see more drought, floods, rising sea levels, and increasingly uninhabitable planet. All right, supposedly he's quitting sometimes. If we don't believe that we are entitled to live in a world of justice, democracy, and fairness without racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, or religious bigotry, we will continue to have massive income and wealth inequality, prejudice and hatred, mass incarceration, terrified immigrants, and hundreds of thousands of Americans sleeping out on the streets in the richest country on earth. And focusing on that new vision for America is what our campaign has been about and what, in fact, we have accomplished. Few would deny that over the course of the past five years, our movement has won the ideological struggle. In so-called red states and blue states and purple states, a majority of the American people now understand that we must raise the minimum wage to at least $15 an hour that we must guarantee health care as a right to all of our people, that we must transform our energy system away from fossil fuel, and that higher education must be available to all, regardless of income. 
It was not long ago that people considered these ideas radical and fringe. Today, they are mainstream ideas, and many of them are already being implemented in cities and states across the country. That is what we have accomplished together. In terms of health care, even before this horrific pandemic we are now experiencing, more and more Americans understood that we must move to a Medicare for all single payer program. During the primary elections, exit polls showed in state after state, a strong majority of Democratic primary voters supported a single government health insurance program to replace private insurance. That was true even in states where our campaign did not prevail. There were a lot of let me just say this. In terms of health care, this current horrific crisis that we are now in has exposed for all to see how absurd our current employer-based health insurance system is. The current economic downturn we are experiencing has not only led to a massive loss of jobs, but has also resulted in millions of Americans losing their health insurance. While Americans have been told over and over again how wonderful our employer-based private insurance system is, those claims sound very hollow today as a growing number of unemployed workers struggle with how they can afford to go to the doctor or not go bankrupt with a huge hospital bill. We have always believed that health care must be considered as a human right, not an employee benefit, and we are right. Please also appreciate that not only are we winning the struggle ideologically, we are also winning it generationally. The future of our country rests with young people. And in state after state, whether we won or whether we lost, the Democratic primaries or caucuses, we received a significant majority of the votes, sometimes an overwhelming majority, from people not only 30 years of age or under, but 50 years of age or younger. In other words, the future of this country is with our ideas. As we are all painfully aware, we now face an unprecedented crisis. Not only are we dealing with a coronavirus pandemic, which is taking the lives of many thousands of our people, we are also dealing with an economic meltdown that has resulted in the loss of millions of jobs. Today, families all across our country face financial hardship unimaginable only a few months ago. And because of the unacceptable well-being of the working families of our country, not just powerful special interests. As a member of the Democratic leadership in the United States Senate, and as a senator from the state of Vermont, this is something that I intend to intensely be involved in over the next number of months, and that will require an enormous amount of work. Which takes me to the state of our presidential campaign. Oh, thank God. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. And that is that we are now some 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden, and the path toward victory is virtually impossible. So while we are winning the ideological battle, and while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle 
for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today, I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Please know that I do not make this decision lightly. In fact, it has been a very difficult and painful decision. Over the past few weeks, Jane and I, in consultation with top staff and many of our prominent supporters, have made an honest assessment of the prospects for victory. If I believed we had a feasible path to the nomination, I would certainly continue the campaign. But it's just not there. I know that there may be some in our movement who disagree with this decision, who would like us to fight on to the last ballot cast at the Democratic Convention. I understand that position. But as I see the crisis gripping the nation, exacerbated by a president unwilling or unable to provide any kind of credible leadership and the work that needs to be done to protect people in this most desperate hour, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour. But let me say this very emphatically. As you all know, we have never been just a campaign. We are a grassroots, multiracial, multi-generational movement which has always believed that real change never comes from the top on down, but always from the bottom on up. We have taken on Wall Street, the insurance companies, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, the military industrial complex, the prison industrial complex, and the greed of the entire corporate elite. That struggle continues. While this campaign is coming to an end, our movement is not. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. reminded us that, quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, end quote. The fight for justice is what our campaign has been about. The fight for justice is what our movement remains about. Today, I congratulate Joe Biden, a very decent man, who I will work with to move our progressive ideas forward. On a practical note, let me also say this. I will stay on the ballot in all remaining states and continue to gather delegates. While Vice President Biden will be the nominee, we must continue working to assemble as many delegates as possible at the Democratic Convention, where we will be able to exert significant influence over the party platform and other functions. Then together, standing united, we will go forward to defeat Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. And we will fight to elect strong progressives at every level of government from Congress to the school board. As I hope all of you know, this race has never been about me. I residency because I believe that as a president, I could accelerate and institutionalize the progressive changes that we are all building together. And if we keep organizing and fighting, I have no doubt but that that is exactly what will happen. While the path may be slower now, we will change this nation and with like-minded friends around the globe, change the entire world. On a very personal note, speaking for Jane, myself and our entire family, we will always carry in our hearts the memory of the extraordinary people we have met across this country. 
We often hear about the beauty of America, and this country is incredibly beautiful. But to me, the beauty I will remember most is in the faces of the people we have met from one corner of this nation to the other. The compassion, love, and decency I have seen in them makes me so hopeful for our future. It also makes me more determined than ever to work to create a nation that reflects those values and lifts up all of our people. Please stay in this fight with me. Let us go forward together. The struggle continues. Thank you all very much. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Sayonari, sayonari, sayonara Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign. Uh, I got to go. I'm out of here. Listen, to I think we'll, I don't know what we're going to have next. Traffic, weather, news, potentially Rush Limbaugh. Who knows? You know what? It's like a T. What will happen next on this station? It's Wait, what will we play Wednesday? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's coming up next. Don't worry. Tomorrow, we're going to have a special edition of the Marquee Show. We like to call it Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And maybe we'll get back to some what the bleep, you know, uh, kick it old school, pre-corona days. Uh, that's all. Uh, that's all tomorrow. Thanks so much for watching. See ya. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.